1: It's Wednesday Wonders, Science Fiction and Fantasy, on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult.
2: Welcome back to the Kyleson Chronicles. In our last episode, Falling Deer signed the agreement with the Freeholds, the Comanche were no longer a threat. Cassie used the scribe's
1: passage for the first time. Now on with our story. Ian had accepted Cassie's visit stoically, but with concern. The scribe's passages were not to be used casually. With reluctance, Ian acknowledged that Cassie had been right to bring the geology reports to him. The silver, gold, copper, and nickel were found not substantial. They were large enough to be useful for the establishment of trade. It meant that Jed Johnson Colony would have a medium to purchase its needs from the other freeholds in the once-humans that all valued precious metals.
3: Lars, tell me why we need to stop by the archaeological dig at Frederick Bridge?
0: You need to see just how close the cannibals are to our people. They are in raiding distance. They watch us at the dig site, which is why Jack Bilson's soldiers are now on site. Why does everyone want to call our militia a defense force? It's not what they are. They are our military. Why would anyone want to hide what our defenders are? They are soldiers. People are paranoid and fearful. That's why so
4: many want to stay in the Freehold. Feeling safe in an unchanging world appeals to them. Talk of soldiers and conflict destroys the delusion of safety. The freehold is no safer than anywhere else. Perception is a fickle master, and not to be fooled with.
3: You're both right and both wrong. Soldiers mean we're under threat. Where defense forces are insurance, one invokes fear while the same group invokes security in the other. It's time we were on the road. Kita, has the half-track been serviced?
5: Yes, and it's also peeled. We need a better way to charge the batteries than that stinky biofuel generator.
3: Given time, I'm sure you'll find a better way. However, today we have to use biofuels. Carrie, have the provisions been stowed? Yes, in the new cabinets installed in the cargo I'm
2: driving the first leg.
3: Let's go. The Comanche Accord is signed. My mom will receive the official word via AI I've scheduled it so we're out of here before the red boxes get to her. I'm ready to sneak down the path to Frederick. I'll rest easier outside the Freehold. Ian
1: accompanied the company grabbed the elevator to the garage level in an attempt not to be caught and delayed. It didn't work. Steve Kirkson and Rachel were sitting in folding chairs beside Ian's half-track when the elevator doors opened. (laughs) I was wondering when we would get caught sneaking around. (laughs) Now that's funny. Thought you'd sneak out, didn't you? Well, you didn't make it.
6: Steve, I believe you're right. The ante room off to the side of the garage office should be open for discussion. Are you coming, Ian?
1: With a sigh of resignation, Ian nodded and followed. He never could put anything past his mother. Steve, Rachel, and Ian walked to the little room beside the garage office. There was a small table, chairs, and a gleaming coffee service on a shiny silver tray.
6: Bobby Aple needs to talk to you soon. He is of the opinion that the Scribes' passage would allow us to get solar panels to the Black Sea Hole almost as quickly as they can be made.
3: I'll call him on the radio when we camp tonight. I think that's the most logical way to proceed. Rurik's Freehold has the need. Hey, you're the coordinator. Why am I involved?
6: Because you had the Scribe Passage Access doors coded for our thumbprints. Yours, mine, and Cassie's prints are all that will activate them. What you didn't know is that Kyle's system changes would lock down all of the Scribe Passage doors when you put those safeties in
1: place. My own great-grandfather created those lockouts Yes, I know about the Scribes' passages. Kelly's recall gene is active. We were the backups in case Kyle never had children, so I know some of the secrets. In this case, it's business. Bobby April needs access to his own passageway. You've got to get down the road, and Rachel and I need authenticated access to fill Bobby's request. You, Dad, set it up so it takes two people to access that level of security. I'll release
3: the restriction for the two of you. Then, can we get down the road?
6: Well, then here's my tablet. And it's all ready for your thumb, dear son of mine.
1: Ian placed his thumb on the access reader. Rachel's tablet blipped. Ian nodded to Rachel and Steve and then left the room was that saying the more you complicate the plumbing the easier it is to stop up the drain as engineer montgomery scott would say that's what the scribe's passage security was like complicated plumbing who needs that rachel had some calls to make steve had to get the evening news and weather ready for the next broadcast so when they left the garage level they went their separate ways rachel went to make her calls and steve kurtzen to the communications and the weather updates we rejoin Rachel in her office.
6: Phoenix Scribe, this is the Scribe Base over? I'm here, April. Over. Ian has fixed the security access issue. It's up to you now. Rorick is awaiting your call.
0: He'll have to open it from his end. I'll make sure the strongbacks get here and aren't lost in limbo. Are we good, Rachel?
6: Over. We're good, Phoenix. Take care and don't forget our weekly conference. Scribe Base are out
0: message received phoenix out
6: we're going to take a short sponsor break we'll be right back
0: hi this is mick simpson just to let you know i have a new album out due for release on the 18th of april called the slow blue sessions
1: so uh, why don't you go check it out
5: and now back to our story ian
1: was ready to be out of the freehold It had taken five hours to do 20 minutes work. This last minute meeting with his mother and Steve Kirkson reminded him that he was the scribe of record. There were older scribes. Bobby April was in his eighth decade. Why had the Freeholds voted for Ian to be the scribe in charge? Wouldn't it have made more sense to have Bobby or Seth Tilly who was in his sixth decade in charge?
5: We're out of here. Is everyone secured in their harnesses? Okay,
4: let's roll. Ian, you look like a cage cat when you came out of that little room. What did they want that upset you so much?
3: Nothing and everything. I had to reset some security stuff. It seems that when I make a change, it affects all the freeholds. Our systems were not supposed to be interconnected like that. Also, why am I the scribe in charge when Dad wasn't? That's a funny thing. Your dad said the scribe in charge was always the one who had
0: the most direct bloodline linked to Rachel Cohen. Your mom's father was the scribe in charge until he died in his late seventh decade.
4: Wouldn't that be Rachel, then?
0: No, because the system is sexist. The descendants of Frame Cohen are tracked through their mothers and titled through him. Don't ask me why. Personally, I think it's disgusting, but that's just the way of things.
3: Ephraim just disappeared one day. When my dad died, all we ever found was his coat and shoes under the rocks. Does any of this make sense? (laughs) Absolutely
0: not. Religion and superstition are rooted in emotion and not logic. Rachel has a double claim on the title scribed through all the endless and useless genealogies the Freeholds have kept. The historian in me wanted to study humanities, but anthropology was the sure to get me to do a dig site without having to dig. It was the best choice for me.
2: I'll add another puzzle to our discussion. Why do the earliest documentation list Ephraim and Rachel Cohen as forester ancestors? It's the same with the Apache
4: and Caddo. Us as well. Those two names show up as the earliest known Navajo ancestors. Ian, have you read anything about
3: that? Yes and no. Rachel Cohen's own son was conceived through artificial means. She couldn't conceive. The records never specify why. Ephraim refused to set her aside. The records say it would have been his right to do so. The arbiters use that and the limited gene pool to justify the abolishment of a monogamous marriage. Polygamy is also taboo. The arbiter code says the first marriage is sacrosanct. The rest are called unions of necessity. That's why we partner after the first union by a contract. At the contract ceremonies, our people are bound with paper chains and they break no glass. I haven't read about the ceremonies yet.
5: You know, I have. The uh, right of marriage is monogamous in our society. There is a practice whereby the presiding official is the family head or oldest male family member? Cassie showed me where in the Freehold Code of Laws that right or sacrament was established. The wording is identical, but your subclauses call the
4: official a rabbi.
3: Rabbi means teacher, bringer of manna, and a bit more.
4: Watch the trace, Kita. That last rock bounce just about did me in. Uh, Navajo ever Trust the Hebrew, and not the Egyptian. The first one will save your spirit, and the second one would sell it while still in your body. It translates to something different, but in this case, it is relevant.
3: You
0: just made that up, didn't you? Two feathers, how dare you? This was a discussion of the guts of Freehold and forester societies. Then you threw that in? Despicable.
4: Honest engine. It really says that in our archives and early writings, they warn us of the possible rise of Khan and his wrath. We were to bind ourselves to the Hebrew of Freehold 3. It makes no sense to me either. Anyway, it went on further to demand that we watch for false leaders from the East then it explained the threat comes from a place so far east that you have to go west to get there. (sighs) We've been talking for three hours. The light is almost gone. If I'm right, that should be the last hill before we see the wide traces that were once called US-62. Cross-country travel is more comfortable on foot. Then it's time to camp.
0: That's where I came from when called after Kyle Robeson's death. Cache Creek is a much more interesting dig site. The town site crumbled into concrete dust and blow dirt. There was nothing really to find. Believe me, we tried. There is still
5: gasoline and kerosene in the deep bats under the pumping stations. Our little carts ran on gasoline before we adopted the small sterling engines that the Cherokee were building.
3: Something doesn't fit. Scribes records have recorded the change from gasoline to sterling engines some 20 years ago. Kita, would you consider it rude of me to ask you age?
5: In our lunar cycle calendar years, I'm 12 years old. In freehold years, I'm 36 years old. I'm almost marriageable.
3: Wait, I thought Forrester life expectancy was short at 50 years, or a 3 to 1 ratio? It means that Kessa is Jack Billings' great-aunt, and not his sister. And you are his fourth cousin, and not a half-sibling.
2: You would be correct. The bill in question would have been your mom's great-uncle, and not Jack Bilson's father. We were too polite to correct the assumption made by a scribe.
3: Correct me, please. Should I assume anything ever again? I was way wrong this time. Everything is not as it would seem to be.
5: No, it isn't. Our archivist would be a wonder to you. He's 74 lunar years old. I'll introduce you when we go to Medicine Park. Anyway, we're here. I'll circle around so we can use the flat spot on that little hill just to the southwest side of the pumping station.
0: That clears up a great deal for me. Thank the gods that foresters aren't barbarians. They are more conservative than
1: Now, setting up camp was not such a time-consuming chore as it was in that very first survey. They had effectively learned to set up tents and had gotten their cooking fire started in no time at all. With rations of rice, Brussels sprouts, and thin sliced ham steaks, they had dinner ready in no time. The cooler was new. The dry ice supplied by the foresters would last for several days. Soon, it would be time to eat. Five days' rations had been packed. It even sounds good to me. I could add that to the cookbook. After that, the watches were aside. They would rest when all was set. On the morning of the 14th of May, while the others packed up the camp, Ian and Lars explored the remains of the town of Cache, Oklahoma. There wasn't much to see. The foundations of the buildings were outlined in blow dirt, ash, and rubble.
3: Lars, what are we looking for?
1: I've got
0: pictures of this place before the volcanic ash fall covered it. The outlines of the building's foundations are visible because the wind blows away, but the water hasn't yet washed down into the creek. What we desperately wanted to find when we started the dig here was the basement level of the old post office. The newspapers from the 1990s detail a time capsule left here for a new generation to find. I'd rather try to reconstruct the town library because there are a set of keys in that capsule. The keys open the town's bank vault in Frederick. The town never moved them to the bank in Cash, Oklahoma, when it was built. The documents in the vault safety deposit box would be priceless. The last mayor of Cash published the information in the Lawton newspaper and sent a copy to Rachel Cohen at the Freehold. The letter, which was with the newspaper, said it's safe should you ever need them again. I'd like to know what was safe in that vault. We found the vault in Frederick's ruin of a bank. Even we couldn't budget easily. We don't want to open it with explosives, and the bank's own keys for the safety deposit boxes are nowhere to be found.
3: You mean to tell me you never talked to dad about all of that?
0: No, why would I? Kyle was too busy for such foolishness. I don't know about that.
1: Ian reached into the belly pack he carried. He pulled a set of brass keys that looked new from the pouch. Then he smiled and turned to Lars. The BOF and box 17 were clearly stamped into the metal on the keys. Oh.
3: My. Word. Where did you get those and how? Karn retrieved these and they were carried by every scribe until my grandfather put them in a key box. They were kept in my quarters. He noted that someday someone would come asking about the safety deposit box key from the town of cash. Now you are here and have asked about them. So here they are. Do you know what's in that safety deposit box? I have no idea, but we can find out together. Let's get back to the others. That was the horn on the truck. I'll bet they're bored.
1: It had indeed been the horn on the half track. Ian and Lars were able to climb into the loaded truck. Lars was thankful there was enough room in the vehicle without feeling cramped. What is in your hands, Lars? Are those keys?
0: The keys to a mystery that has bothered Freehold historians since the beginning. What's more galling and aggravating is the scribes have had them all along. It wouldn't have done anyone much good. We just dug out the Frederick Bank vault and its safety deposit boxes three years ago. Still, those spiteful scribes have not told a soul that they had the keys the whole time. Is that all, Lars?
4: Ian... Are you keeping secrets again? (laughs) I made a funny joke.
0: Oh, I can't believe you two. Peter, just get us to Frederick as fast as possible. I'm dying to open the box marked 17. It will take several hours. Are the archaeologists still digging there? Why, yes, they are. But that vault lies open for anyone with a key. And today... That means me! I wonder what was so all-important. The last mayor of Cash went to great length to get that letter to Rachel Cohen. The records say that the three men that brought the letter to the Freehold died in the attempt. The last one died on the very doorstep of our home. Not even the scribes could get dead men to talk. A tantalizing story. Have there been any guesses as to
4: what is in the box? Maybe it's Pandora's box. Henry really don't want to know what's in there.
0: Oh, you! Why do you have to be so negative? Men are such Neanderthals.
1: That's my job. Laughing, they continued to banter and bicker all the way to Frederick. The town was originally two towns, Gosnell and Hazel. In 1901, the U.S. government took lands from the Kiowa, Comanche, Apache reservation and opened it for settlement. In 1941, the US Army built Frederick Army Airfield. Now it's 4062. The foresters controlled the land and patrol the Red River to monitor for cannibal incursions. Lars and the archeology span teams have concentrated on finding the bank because of the Cohen letter of 2032. Woo, glad all that dry stuff has been covered. I really wish they would hurry up and find that darn thing. I wanna know what's in the safety deposit box.
2: We'll camp in what was once known as Pioneer Park. Only the top two feet of the flagpole sticks up. Otherwise, it's a nice flat place to camp. Our Forester soldiers guard the river and the bridge site. We don't need cannibals north of the Red River. Hey, look,
0: that settlement is new. I wonder where those people came from. I didn't see them when I was here last.
1: Let's ask them. After dismounting the truck, Kita went to talk to the squatters. At least, that's what Kita thought they were. Here we go, folks. I'm taking bets that whatever is in that box isn't something we would expect. Well, the betting's now closed. So I say, let's follow them into the dig site and down the ladder to the open vault door. I'm half expecting to see a white rabbit or someone's shoulder. Where's Neo when you need him?
0: There's the door. I'm afraid to open the safety deposit box. Y- you do it, Ian. Uh, wait. What if it's booby-trapped? Better let two feathers open it, then. If it was
4: important enough to secure it a locked box, in a vault, in a basement, and below a bank, it isn't
1: going to be booby-trapped. They walked to the double high-safety deposit box steel-reinforced door. Ian inserted the key and turned it. Amazingly, it turned as if it had been oiled only yesterday.
3: Its etch-still plates, as shiny as when they were new. What does the etchings say? Let's see. Plate 1 is the instructions for making the South Polo vaccine. Plate 2 is instructions for making the Jenner Smallpox vaccine. Plate 3 is the list of medicines necessary to combat the SARS-COVID along with making the vaccine. Plate 4 is a list of drugs to cope with a group of autoimmune diseases from multiple cirrhosis to something called HIV-AIDS or known as Human Immunodeficiency Virus Infection and Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. Plate 6 has the instructions for setting up a laboratory to make and distribute these medicines.
1: Ian clutched the plates as if they were precious beyond price, they went back to camp. The final admonishment on the seventh plate was a warning to guard the plates. The information would be needed in the 41st century when the ice retreats above the Mason-Dixon line. These viruses and bacteria would emerge and plague man again. Wow! Tomorrow would be soon enough to find out about the new settlement on the east side of the Frederick Town site. The sun was setting. Later that evening, Ian called in to Freehold 3.
3: F3 base, this is Wanderer, over. Wanderer, this is F3Base, over. Good to hear your voice, James. Please take a note for the meta-text. We have a secured the formula for SARS complex including COVID, polio, influenza, smallpox, and treatments for several autoimmune disorders, over. Wouldn't those be in the data banks, over? I haven't researched the med databases. They're important enough to have letters sent to Rachel Cohan during the founding, over. I'll pass it on, over.
1: Wanderer, out. F3 base, out. James Anthony wonders why vaccines from the past could be important for today. Then he remembers the sickness now spreading through the lower non-refined sections of the freehold and calls Rachel.
6: Hello?
4: Sorry to bother you, Rachel. Andrew sent word about vaccine formulas to include polio and SARS-COVID. I'm not sure why that's important unless could it have something to do with the spreading sickness and the rough and unready portions
6: of the freehold? Yes, James. It is the bats down there feed on what the rats and mice leave behind on the ground, which in turn makes them carriers for SARS-CoV-19 mutations. We've been struggling because the formulas once used weren't encoded in the medical database. All it says is that there was one. I'll notify the medical staff and have them contact Ian directly. We need that vaccine now.
4: Okay, okay. I'm glad I called first rather than putting the information in the red box files. The flash photos Ian sent of the tablets is legible. I'll forward them to you.
6: Thank you. I'll make sure they're put to good use.
1: That's interesting. Finding a solution just in time when Ian didn't even know they needed one I wonder how that got set up. I guess you'll have to tune back in for the next episode. This is Charlie Wyrock III, your narrator for the Kyleson Chronicles, signing off. Until next time. You've been
7: listening to the Kyleson Chronicles. We will return in two weeks with another episode. The Kyleson Chronicles is written by J.A. Badian, narrated by Charlie Wyrock III, and starred Tom Cat, Mark Bowen, Ellie Hirschman. Tim Evans, Julie Bowles, Tracy Badian, Malcolm Clayes, Daniel Abaday, Josh Petillo, Mikey Henderson, Echo Uncles Bay, W. Bruce Jaworski, Krista Huffaker, Ryan Birch, James Roberson, and Sarah Patterson. Produced by PurviewProjects.com. Casting and art designed by Tracy Badian. Sound designed by J.A. Badian. Towson theme song by Slim Newpons, Used with his permission background music by david Presley the studios and used with his permission special thanks to the comanche nation and their archives at www.comanche also known as lords of the plains and the comanche museum and cultural center located in lawton oklahoma for more info about the show visit www.kilesandchronicles.sim.com special thanks to EricBusbyPresents.com For the use of the names Byron, The Pale Man, The Iron Dead Used in tandem with the crossover episodes of the award-winning The Byron Chronicles Beyond the Veil Featuring David Alt as Byron
5: Hi, my name is Tracy Babian, co-author of the Carlson Chronicles podcast My husband, J.A. Babian, the main author, had a triple stroke in the latter part of August of this year Jerry was lifelighted to Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a brain bleed that the doctors thought they were going to have to do surgery on him, which surely would have killed him. Thank the Lord they didn't. He survived that brain bleed and swelling, but he is in need of so much for his recovery. I have started a GoFundMe to help with all the costs that I just don't have. I retired back in April of this year so that I could take care of Jerry, as he was starting to show signs then, that I just didn't catch. Little did I know this would be a blessing in disguise. He is fighting this setback of memory loss and 75% use of his right leg, arm, along with his cognitive speech. Considering the doctor said he would not make it, I consider him to be a miracle. Medicare has only granted 12 visits of physical and speech therapy twice a week. He needs at least six months worth of speech therapy alone. That is a total of $4,000 we need to pay up front that I just don't have. So far, we have had $775 in donations of the $10,000 we need come in. Please donate today so that he can get his needed medication, therapy, and also help pay bills that Medicare just will not cover, even if it's only $5. I update this account so folks can see his progress. You can go to my Facebook account, Tracy Babian VO, to find the pinned link with the title, Jerry Babian Stroke Victim Needs. Jerry says, thank you. I still have a lot to write on my stories that I want to get done. Please help me to achieve that goal. Thank you in advance for your donation. Tracy Babian